God bless you on this Thanksgiving Day. I'd invite you to join me in prayer. To God the Father who created the world, to God the Son who redeemed the world, to God the Spirit who sustains the world, we give thanks and praise. Amen. Today, we are going to take a break from our sermon series that we are having this fall. We've had three Sundays of reflecting on the evil one, and you know what? I, I need this just to change a little bit. Can I just do that? There. That's better. Okay. So we've had three Sundays of reflecting on the evil one, the devil. Next week, Gary will talk about our flesh and how that sometimes gets us into trouble, unless, of course, we give it to the Lord. This Sunday, we'll turn aside from these thoughts of life to being thankful, to returning our gratefulness to God. This weekend is intended to be a time to recall God's goodness to us and for us. We are reminded gently that we truly are blessed people with more than we need. There are times in our lives when things are tight, but even in those times, we are to be gracious and thankful. When one looks for images or information about Thanksgiving, very quickly on the computer, the American Thanksgiving comes up. Did you know that we actually have our own Canadian version of Thanksgiving? Here's how that story goes. Back, it goes back to an English explorer named Martin Frobisher who had been trying to find a northern passage to the Orient. As we know, he did not succeed. But he did establish a settlement in the northern part of this new land. And in the year 1578, he held a formal ceremony which is now, in which now is called Newfoundland to give thanks for surviving the long journey. This is considered Canada's first Thanksgiving, 1578. That's a long time ago. Other settlers arrived, and they continued these ceremonies. We recognize the name as an inlet in the Atlantic Ocean that was named after him, Frobisher Bay. At the same time, French settlers crossed the ocean, arriving in Canada with explorer Samuel de Champlain. History records that they, too, held huge feasts of thanks. They even formed the Order of Good Cheer, wouldn't you like to belong to that? And gladly shared their food with the indigenous neighbors. Eventually, in 1879, Parliament declared November 6th as a day of Thanksgiving and a national holiday. But over the years, many dates were used for Thanksgiving. The most popular was the third Monday in October. After World War I, both Armistice Day and Thanksgiving were celebrated on the Monday of the week of November 11th. Ten years later, in 1931, the two days became separate holidays, and Armistice Day was renamed Remembrance Day. Finally, on January the 31st, 1957, Parliament proclaimed, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed to be observed on the second Monday in October. That took me by surprise. 
Within my lifetime, we finally settled on a day to be thankful. <laughs> I think that there was already celebrating going on. As, as it says, there were, Thanksgiving came and went in many, in many places and many, many dates. So there was already family traditions. We gather with each other to remember to be thankful, to say thank you for opportunities, for lives lived, for special events that have happened in the year gone by. Our history has given us a prescribed day, even though it took a while. It is still a good thing to be thankful, and it is always good to be reminded to celebrate our thanksgiving to God for all that has come to us through the gracious divine hand. To set the tone for this thanksgiving, we're going to use Psalm 136. This psalm is commonly known as a community psalm, a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. It is also called a storytelling psalm. We're not going to read the whole psalm, but if you look through the verses of this psalm in your Bibles, you will see that history is being recounted. The purpose of singing about their history was to set in mind the drama that unfolded as Israel was cared for from the time of creation through the coming into the promised land. Follow along as I uh, read five verses from the English Standard Version that will give us our focus for this morning. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his, uh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. In our sermon this morning, we will ask three questions of the psalm. What are we to do? Whom do we address in thanksgiving? And what are we promised? So let's begin. What are we to do? Psalm 136 begins with an emphatic give thanks. Or in some translations, it might read, oh, give thanks or praise the Lord. Or as the message puts it, thank God. Four times in this psalm, we are directed to make our confession and acknowledgement of God through thanksgiving. These words are not stated as an invitation. One can refuse an invitation. This is a little more direct than that. It is to be our response to life and what is happening around us. The words are not conditional on how one feels or how the day has passed. Even on days of not feeling like it, giving thanks is an imperative. The directive is pretty easy. Give thanks. Nothing needs to be prepared or set up. Open your mouth, open your mind, and simply say or think the words, thank you. So why is this so hard to do sometimes? Do you remember when you were younger 
and your parents remind you to say thank you? We quickly received as children, didn't we? But the corresponding gratefulness came a little slower. Here's a little story. A businessman was surprised by his boss saying thank you to him. With a surprised look, the boss told him to go and say thank you to someone else, to pass on the thanks. As this man thought about whom he could genuinely thank, he realized that he had never spoken or thanked the gardener who so faithfully looked after his yard. He rather shocked the gardener with his thanks. Afterwards, he wondered why he had neglected those two simple words. In his case, the gardener actually decided to continue to garden at his home, even though he had received another job offer and was considering it. Gratefulness is not an emotion, but something we put into action. It is something we have to learn. So as easy as it sounds, just say thank you. It also takes discipline and humility to, be, to remember to thank for something done for us. Our thanks to God should be as thoughtful as to any human being. Whom are we to address? Give thanks to. The imperative to give thanks is directed to someone. In this psalm, it says, give thanks to the Lord, to the God of gods, to the Lord of lords. Verses 1 to 3 and 26 address God with several names and understandings. It takes all of these names to just begin to describe the being of God. To give appropriate thanks to this being takes all of these descriptions and more in Israel's time. In Israel's time, naming God was done carefully because it was understood that to name God was the way of describing the nature and identity of God. Names give meaning to a person. If I say Sharon or John or Jed, who I just met this week and I think he also had his second birthday, or Rudy or Zach or Elsie or Dave, pictures come to mind of a person or persons. We imagine a face and identify a real person with a name and personality. There is history and a life story behind each of those names. It is similar in naming God. This name comes with an attendant history and story that has been passed down through the ages. It is this God in history who has invited us to know and worship all that God is. Language is sometimes very limiting. English holds us to two names in this psalm, God and Lord, and to a singular pronoun that is somehow to convey all that God is. So here are some meanings to these names for Lord and God. Lord, translated from Yehovah, or the more common Jehovah, or Yahweh, means the self-existent or eternal God. This is the meaning for the name in verse 1. It is a more personal way of addressing God. In verse 3, 
Lord comes from the name Adonai. Adonai means the sovereign one, the one who controls and rules. God is translated from Elohim. This is the plural name of the supreme God, which denotes the fullness of God's divine power. This is the name used in verse 2. This name for God is more arm's length. It's not as personal as Yahweh. Later, in verse 26, God's name is translated from El, meaning God of strength. So I'm going to read these verses again, and this time with some different words for God and Lord. Give thanks to the self-existent and eternal being, for Yahweh is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the totality of God in all fullness, God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the sovereign one who is always in control, Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the strength of heaven, his love endures forever. The object of our thanks is to this description of an eternal, sovereign, and strong God. God is always worthy of the thanks that we can give. Repeatedly, throughout the Bible, thanksgiving is recorded in sacrifices and worship that was given to God. So the third part, what are we promised? Over and over, in this particular psalm, we have the words, his love endures forever. We are promised a love that doesn't quit, as the message puts it. And what a promise this is. Just think about it. Our thankful hearts are raised to a God whose love has no end. That, to me, says that my thanks actually get somewhere. It's not dismissed. The word love used in this psalm comes from the Hebrew chesed. The root of the word means to bow down in courtesy to an equal. It suggests an empathy and kindness towards another person. So it is translated with words like mercy, in the, in the King James. Mercy and loving kindness in the Amplified. Bondad in Spanish, or bondadi in Portuguese. Güte in German. What is it of God's that never gives up on us? It is God's deep and continuing kindness that is always there for us. And here is a little more about Psalm 136. Besides being a story psalm, this is also one of the Halal Psalms, the great Hallelujah Psalm. Traditionally, this is one of the Psalms that was sung at the Passover meal. It came near the end of the celebration as a song of praise to God for all that had been done for the people of God. The Psalm is recounting of a rescue out of Egypt. Egypt symbolized slavery, the lack of freedom, the words of this psalm extol that Israel was brought from bondage into freedom. They use this song as praise for the promises fulfilled for them. And as you read through the psalm over and over again, you will see 
going in sequence what God did for them, and always the repeated phrase, his love endures forever. This is a psalm that remembers God and all that has been done in creation and in guiding the people of God. The phrase, his love endures forever, to us may seem like a vain repetition of words, and that's not what they were. These are words of reminder. Once again, the English language does not give us the rhythm or the flow as the Hebrew words do. The author in the Tyndale Commentary series describes these verses as cumbersome in that they don't flow with the swiftness of the original. In spite of this awkwardness, we have a promise. God's love is always enduring, always there for us. These are words of hope for us. Practically, this psalm found expression in several situations in the Old Testament. Scholars have come to this conclusion because of the repeating of the words, his love endures forever. So, as I go to these two stories in the Old Testament, I think about our sanctuary being refurbished there. And these are stories of building and refurbishment. And so, I, I praise God that we have the ability to refurbish our sanctuary that we might be able to worship there again. Listen to these stories. The first story is found in 2 Chronicles. One of Solomon's tasks as king was to build the temple of the Lord in the city of David, Jerusalem. After seven years of work, the temple was complete. The new, newly completed furnishings found their place, but there was one more item that needed to come to the temple. After years of being housed in less than adequate facilities, it was finally time for this last piece of furniture to find its home. People waited, they anticipated, and finally they saw the priests and the elders in procession coming forward. It was the Ark of the Covenant that all the people were waiting for. It meant God's very presence with them. As it made its way into the new sanctuary, the people couldn't help it. They broke into song and praise. The celebration was massive with all the instruments, the singers, and worship leaders present. No one was going to miss this event. It says that they all raised their voices to praise God by singing, God is good. God's abundant love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The second Chronicles account continues. The praising had to stop for a while. God's presence became visible as a cloud. It descended over the temple so that the priests could not continue their functions. During this time, Solomon turned to the people and he began a long prayer of thanksgiving. After the prayer was done, the worshipers watched as God sent a second phenomenon. Fire from heaven! came to consume the offerings. When the people saw that, they knelt in awe and worship continuing to sing. God is good. God's love endures forever. Their expression of praise filled the city. No one missed this service of thanksgiving. 
They only had to look at the building before them. It represented a promise fulfilled. To them, it was a visible sign of God's grace to them. King David wanted to build the temple, but God directed that his son Solomon would have that privilege. Finally, they saw the completion of what they had longed for. Solomon's temple lasted about 350 years before the Babylonians destroyed it. Our second story about Psalm 136 comes out of this context. If you follow the story in Ezra, the king of Persia, Cyrus, gave permission for the exiles to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their place of worship. They started with the altar so they could make their sacrifices. Eventually, they had the money to begin rebuilding the temple. Challenges faced these rebuilders. Ezra, the scribe, gave the strong leadership needed to help the community become sufficient within itself again. But the glory of that first temple was gone, along with the Ark of the Covenant. Sadness filled the hearts of those who had worshipped in the former glorious place. For those who did not know the former glory, they shouted out their praise to God. Mingled together were tears of what had been and shouts of joy for what would yet be. But sad or glad, they came to see the foundation ready for the temple of the Lord. Everyone came to the site dressed for worship. They took their places as described by David, raised their trumpets, sounded the note so that together they could sing, he is good, his love to Israel endures forever. And then it says, all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. The love of the Lord endures forever. These words have been spoken, sung, and said over and over again through ages all in praise and thanksgiving to God. It is still our promise today. What is it that causes you to turn to God in praise? What elicits a shout to God from you? I trust that as you have let your mind wander through the sermon, you have been, been recounting some of your own thoughts on what to be thankful for. We live in a land of freedom to worship. This should not be taken for granted. We need a reminder that our freedoms here are not the freedoms everyone experiences around the world. There are many places in which oppressed people, including followers of Jesus, are barred from basic freedoms. Give thanks to God for freedom. God's love and mercy go on forever. We enjoy abundance. Some of you may say, but I'm not wealthy. Do you have a place to sleep? Do you have food for at least one meal a day? Do you have a change of clothes? Do you have a means to be employed? Are your children in school or are they forced to work? Do you get to buy something other than food or clothing? From an economic standpoint, most of us have said yes to all of these questions. Give thanks to God for the abundance out of which we can share. God's love and mercy go on forever. We have abilities. 
God has given each of us opportunities to explore and use the skills we have. Sometimes we think that we are not very good at things, but all of us have something that only we can give to the world around us. Give thanks to God for skills and abilities. God's love and mercy go on forever. Are you grateful for the relationships you have with family and friends? God has created us as relational beings. The need to be with people, interacting with those around us. We have come from family settings. We have the ability to be a friend to someone. Give thanks to God for relationships that help us grow both with family and friends. God's love and mercy go on forever. We are invited into a relationship with God. Today is a day to be thankful for God's gift of salvation to us through Jesus Christ. Through our personal study and our corporate gatherings, we are brought to an understanding that God's love reaches to us through our selfish and sinful ways to provide a new way of life. Give thanks to God for salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. God's love and mercy go on forever. This is a very short list. I hope that you will add your own things to remember to be thankful for. The New Testament continues this sentiment of being thankful. Ephesians 5.20 said, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the letter of Thessalonians, Paul reminds his friends to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This Thanksgiving, give thanks, and remember that it is indeed God's love that goes on forever. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward, and I'm going to invite you to be part of the benediction. Um, let me just see. Yes, I'm reading the orange or the light brown. I'm going to ask you to read the black, and it's not very hard because it's just a repeated phrase. So, let me begin. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. It is God alone who does great wonders. It was God's understanding that made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. Give thanks to the God of heaven. God's love and mercy continue forever. Amen.